Welcome back to Truncated Thoughts presented by Prescouter, where our goal is to have short discussions on big ideas in healthcare. I'm Jeremy Schmerer, and with me is Dr. Ryan LaRanger. Today, we are also joined by Dr. Joao Guerrero, who has a PhD from MIT in biochemical engineering. Joao is joining us uh, in our conversation today to help us start unpacking the potential applications of mRNA in addition to its role in the COVID-19 fight. So guys, I've seen headlines of mRNA having a role in HIV, Alzheimer's treatments, the flu, and more. Joao, why don't we start with you? What do you make of all this? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because mRNA has been on the works for a very long time, actually. Uh, you, if you look, go back, you look into clinical trials, you see there's been a lot of people trying to develop mRNA therapies and RNA as a whole therapies uh, for a lot of these diseases for a while. But, you know, COVID and, and this emergency status really, you know, made us kind of uh, move forward and, you know, go through the approval process quickly, get enough resources to really get it through, you know, the approval steps. Now, you know, it, it kind of makes us realize that there are a lot more applications. You know, you have the vaccines um, for from mRNA, which, you know, we're seeing now as they can be used for COVID, they're going to be able to be used for other infectious diseases, but then they have, I know, very particular applications, for example, in cancer, you know, that the cancer vaccines from mRNA allow you to do, you know, that personalized medicine that we've been hearing about for so long, where you can look into a cancer, you know, see what's different on this cancer from, you know, regular cells, and then use mRNA to express those proteins that are going to be different so that your immune system can actively target it. You know, that's, that's a huge unlocking of something that's very hard to achieve. Uh, that's just one thing. You know, the other thing you, you brought up, Alzheimer's, that's another big one. You know, our brain our have cells that, you know, multiply very slowly up to, you know, no duplication at all. That makes it hard when you're trying to do gene therapy because those typically need to integrate into the genome. genome. They need to divide. mRNA doesn't need to go into the nucleus. You know, it's a smaller molecule. Uh, you know, we, we've it took a while, but we, we've, you know, people managed to find out the right carriers to make mRNA work and, um, you know, and, and get to, to a place like the brain, have the, you know, and then the impact that you need to have. Thanks for that, Joao. Ryan, are you seeing similar uh, applications or what are you, do you agree with what Joao is saying? Give us your perspective. Anytime anyone brings up Alzheimer's, I start getting a little bit twitchy because that field has been the graveyard of so many promising uh, drug development candidates. And one thing that I'm sort of curious about, and Joao, if you have any insight on this, it would be amazing. Um, is just, uh, so most of the studies that I've seen around Alzheimer's treatment has been based around the sort of the plaque hypothesis, right? Amyloid. And my understanding is that people who are looking at uh, mRNA treatment for Alzheimer's have been looking at developing basically mRNAs for these plaques so that they would be broken down uh, by the body. Is that the kind of thing that you've been seeing for Alzheimer's or is there any other approach that's being considered? No, that's from, from mRNA, that, that is indeed the kind of things, uh, you know, that I'm seeing as well. You know, you do open things a little bit if you go from mRNA just to RNA in general, because then you start going into your, you know, interference, you know, using your, you know, aptamers, because, you know, RNA, it's three big buckets, let's say, when you speak about it. You either, you know, 
producing proteins, that's our mRNA, right? You're using it as, a, you know, as your writing base to make something new, but then you have, you're targeting the nucleic acid. That's when you use RNA to stop something from being produced, you know? So you stop it before it becomes a protein and it can you know, generate a problem. That's huge applications for a lot of those genetic diseases where you have something that's gonna go wrong, potentially, can be something that you can apply to Alzheimer's if you're able to kind of stop those plagues from, from being developed and, uh, you know, and accumulate. And then you have the target part. That's the aptamers. That's probably going to be a, a, you know, a bigger discussion that I might just uh, trigger here for you guys to, to discuss on another, another podcast, because there's a whole thing on aptamers versus antibodies and, and the new things they unlock. Oh, no. So before we go into that, just one more thing along these lines, because uh, we've been hearing a bunch of people speaking about uh, cancer and especially like cancer vaccines. And one thing I'd be really curious to get your opinion on is one of the challenges, of course, when you're dealing with cancer is that they're your cells are just aberrant in some way. Are there good enough biomarkers for cancer cells that uh, application of an mRNA vaccine wouldn't necessarily cause effectively a uh, targeting of one's own cells excessively? Now, I think that's a great question. You know, the, the most interesting aspects I've seen here is by, by looking into that difference, by really looking into, okay, here's the tissue that we know is, is you know, has cancer, you know, is, is has cancer is in cells, looking into comparing that with a normal tissue and then just seeing what is being overexpressed by going to that, you know, and by getting, you know, mRNA, that's going to just be focusing on those. That's how you can potentially then help, you know, developing your own, own immune system, modulate it to start targeting that, you know, and find your, your, you know, fight your own body, but hopefully just the bad parts of it. You know, it's still, it's not there yet, but there's, that's, that's, I would say, are the most interesting examples I've seen. Now, you know, there's the whole issue with, actually getting the mRNA to get where it needs to be. That's been the biggest challenge for a long time with any RNA therapy. Now, Joao, one, one thing I feel like we've talked about in kind of our, our own conversations is this idea of like blood, blood brain barrier. Does that have any connection to, to when you mentioned where getting the drugs where they need to go, or are you referring to something else? No, it, it does it does take a part on that. Um, you know, RNA is, is a smaller molecule by itself. You know, it's negatively charged. Um, you know, by itself, not all RNAs are going to be able to cross the barrier. But there's been developments because a, a big part of, of getting RNA to work has been studying how to deliver it efficiently. You know, and part of what you've you know a lot of smart people have done is to find the right carriers for it. You know, liposomes seem to to work very well. Uh, and those can, can cross that blood brain blood, blood brain barrier, uh, and, that, and then RNA is a very small molecule. You can get it to you know it doesn't need to go into the nucleus. So then it makes things a lot easier. Once it crosses the barrier, it's a lot easier then to go into those cells and start producing what it, what it needs to be produced. So the one other thing that I would love to get your opinion on is, uh, so we've spent a lot of time talking about mRNA uh, therapeutics being focused on either triggering an immune response or, uh, well, triggering an immune response, one of the big ones. Uh, one of the other ones that I'm really fascinated by uh, is we're talking a lot about uh, modifications to the sort of mRNA structure in order to improve its stability. 
are uh, mRNA therapeutics to correct protein deficiencies. Um, it's still a little early stage there, but I was wondering if you could talk to, about anything you've seen on that front. On, on correct, you know, correcting structures, what I've seen the most are more on those, you know, your, your so-called interference RNA strategies uh, to correct those sort of, um, I know, mutated proteins. You know, there's, I think it wasn't too long ago, 2018, there, there was uh, finally some approvals uh, by the FDA and both the EMEA um, on a treatment. I believe it was for uh, hereditary uh, transiterine uh, amyloidosis. So it's a, it's a rare disease uh, where, you know, what happens is that you have these proteins um, that are, you know, it's a rare genetic disease. You have these proteins that are, are being um, produced in, in the wrong way. Let's just say it in a simple term, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing that you can do by using um, RNA is to, um, you know, bind to, to the parts that are going to producing the wrong protein. Um, you know, and this can be either, I know there's different strategies, actually different drugs that have been approved with this strategy where you can actually, I know, just go and target a tiny bit of code that's wrong, you know, and that can still produce a functional protein. This has been, for example, the strategy for um, the muscular dystrophy where they're able to you know, do that and show that, okay, now we've removed this sort of code that was I know, wrong by connecting a bit of RNA to it, and you still get a functional protein, right? And then people that I know would, would suffer immensely by not having that protein, now they, they have at least a bit and they can you know, function more normally. Um, and then the other part is just, hey, this protein doesn't work because it's mutated, we get RNA to connect to it, it stops being produced, and then the body has another gene that's gonna be just producing the right one. You know, and this way, now you just have the right one and you no longer have um, a problem with, with having a, that genetic mutation. That's great. Uh, the only other thing that I would add along this is there've been a couple of groups that have been working on using mRNA to actually synthesize a missing protein. So in cases where it's not damaged, it's actually destroyed. Mm -hmm. Just one really dramatic example recently has been the alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, where uh, application of the mRNA on sort of a regular basis uh, allows you to much more cheaply than injecting the protein, you can just inject the mRNA and then the patient can make their own protein. It still requires sort of regular treatments. It's not a gene therapy but it can help correct some of those really rare metabolic disorders. Yeah, and I think a great advantage on those versus the gene therapy is that you know, it's an easier path towards approval and safety yeah. because you don't have the concerns about genome integration. You don't have that extra step of getting to, I know, to the nucleus to, to start being produced. So it, it is something that I, I believe I can offer a lot. You'd need to have the continuous treatments, which is definitely a downside versus uh, Know, effective gene therapy. All right, gentlemen. Well, we are going to start wrapping up. Any any final thoughts on on this subject before we do so? I I would just add that I know RNA seems to I know be on the rise now. It's it's not the first time. It had a great start. I think early two thousands, you get a huge I know investment from pharma. You know, Merck bought um, certain therapeutics for like a billion dollars. And then it just went down. The results weren't there. It was too early. And then you saw, you saw all those big pharma divesting. Uh, and now, I think like a couple of years ago, they started going in again. And I think that really, 
I know, let's say saved us in a way because then when COVID hit, you already had a, a bunch of these big companies that are ready for it. You know, so I, I do see this as the right time to kind of, I know, take up this technology and continue to develop and apply it to, to a, a lot of different diseases. You know, the antibodies were once seen as, a, you know, a niche thing. And now they're the, the biggest class of, of drugs being used and approved. Uh, so, you know, RNA could be the next if, if the cards are played right. Just the potential scalability and intelligent design, for lack of a better term, of mRNA therapeutics, I think holds a lot of promise. Excellent, you guys. Well, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts. I think this gives us a lot of promise for um, the future of medicine and the future of, of treatments and you know prevention of some of these potential pandemics and whatever. We won't go too deep into that, but I think you guys gave us a lot to think about. So we hope our listeners enjoyed the conversation today. Obviously, if you're not a subscriber, you should be. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Our next episode, we're planning to dive into cardiotoxicity, but until then, thanks for listening.